your Bibles and would like to turn with me, we are going to continue in Gospel of John, chapter 17, looking only today at verse 24 in the high priestly prayer of Jesus. John 17, verse 24. So if you are able and willing, please stand as we give attention to the infallible, the inerrant word of God as we open up John 17, verse 24. Please stand as you're able. This is the word of the Lord. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord stands forever. Please be seated. Don't you love this time of year? I love this time of year. You look around the room and you see all the great decorations, the Christmas trees, all these great sayings, worship Christ the newborn king, the Savior is born. We have our Advent candles, hope, love, joy, and peace, King of kings, Lord of lords, and we like the decorations that come with the season. I've always have since I was a kid. There's a pageantry to this season. Really more so than almost any other time of year. It's a pageantry that has infected not only us in the church, but outside the church. It's the one time of year where you see so many different people decorating houses, decorating trees. People like to make things look fancy and put as put together as possible. I always remember this time of year. I'm sure many of you have seen it. I'll, I'll give my disclaimer. I do not recommend this movie. Uh, you might probably will catch it on TV, the, the Christmas Vacation, right? And that great moment when Clark Griswold finally gets those lights working. He plugs them together, and what bursts forth? The Hallelujah Chorus. That great hymn of Handel's, from Handel's Messiah. It's this moment of perceived, intense, earthly glory. And I think that's a good picture for us this morning because we all, and that's not just here us, we all, all man, is seeking glory. We are made to seek glory. When God in Genesis 1 said, let us make man in our own image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. It was a guarantee that we would be glory seekers. God himself is a glory seeker and not a glory when we think of not vain glory, not empty glory. But he seeks glory for himself and he made man to revel and reflect his glory. And this explains so many, I think, of our earthly Obsessions. It's the reason why Clark Griswold in a Christmas movie that, quite frankly, is quite raunchy. So, again, I don't recommend it. I've seen it on TV. I don't recommend it. Don't go watch it. Um, but it's a reason why he can have this moment of outburst and joy. It's the reason why we obsess over sports people or Hollywood stars or military victories or new cars or new homes, all these different objects that we ascribe glory to we crave glory 
many Alabama fans in this room felt glory last night? Feel it? Georgia went down. Georgia, who was undefeatable. We seek that glory. But the tragedy of mankind is not that we seek glory. It's where we seek that glory. Far too often we seek a shallow, false glory that is sinful. We embrace the tainted glory of the flesh. We revel in the vain glory of the praise of men. We are to be glory seekers, but it is where we are to seek that glory that we see today. As we come to this text, just one verse, chapter 24, and there's a lot to unpack in here. We're going to see three things. The Savior's assurance, the Savior's love, and the Savior's glory, the Savior's assurance, the Savior's love, and the Savior's glory. We begin by looking at the assurance, or the Savior, excuse me, assurance. And the question is this, on what grounds, on what basis can we be certain of arriving safe in the glories of heaven? And we find the answer to this question in verse 24, Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am. Our hope of salvation is held up by nothing less than the saving will of God the Son for all those people who were given to him by the Father. We rely on the blessed intercessory ministry of Christ who is our high priest. We receive his resurrection as of the greatest importance for us. Here, even on the night of his arrest, as he's moving to the garden, Jesus is focused on what will already happen. He was looking forward to his victory. He had already seen his triumph, his return to the glories of heaven. He sees himself already resurrected, already ascended. And it, it is his will that believers in him will join him there. But that poses an interesting and important question for us. Because I don't know about you, but I don't believe that I have any right to go will anything before God in heaven. I can't go to say God and say, God, I will that this happen. And when we use this word here, will, it's a, it's a desire. It is a certain desire. He wills that we be with him in heaven. So by what right does he express his will? We go to Matthew 17, that great moment of his transfiguration as he is Revealed in his glory to Peter, James, and John, and Jesus from or God from heaven declares with a voice and says to them, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. It is by the authority of God the Father that Jesus wills. The Father who speaks from heaven, who loves to hear the voice of his Son. He will grant the petition of his beloved and holy son. 
But not only does Jesus claim the right to will through the authority of the Father, but we see another way in which he exercises his will, and that is his redeeming work for our salvation. We see our assurance in the priestly ministry of Christ. We must belong to Jesus if we're to be saved. Because none but Jesus can stand before the Father and declare, I will. We cannot bring our will to bear before God. Only Jesus can declare his sovereign will before the seat of heaven's throne. So only those who belong to him, only, only those who proclaim trust as Jesus as Savior will be saved by the will of Christ who loves his own. It's important then that we see Christ's desire for us. It's, a, it's interesting, I was thinking about this this morning as we, Christ's desire for us is to know and to see and to hear all that he knows and sees and hears is over the season we've started playing Christmas music. Now maybe to some of you that's an anathema. Maybe it's too soon and you want to get close to Christmas. We're post-Thanksgiving so in my household we start to sprinkle in a little bit. One of my favorite singers and my daughter who loses all credibility in this life because she thinks that Bing Crosby does not have a good voice so she does, cannot judge any kind of music whatsoever. So if Ashley says music's bad, just ignore her. Because, of course, Bing Crosby has the best voice, right? He does. And he sings an oft song that we don't often hear, I think. You know, you always hear White Christmas. But do you hear what I hear, right? I love that song. Do you hear what I hear? And there's three phrases repeated in there. Do you hear what I hear? Do you see what I see? Do you know what I know? It is the will of Jesus that we would hear that we would see, that we would know. And this assurance comes in two parts. It comes now. We can have this assurance now. We know that ultimately we will be in the presence of the Father upon our death when Christ comes again. But that does not mean that we are left with no hope for the immediate present. Even Jesus' own statement is anticipatory. Excuse me, hard word. Anticipatory. Someone say it. Anticipatory. It was not going to come out of my mouth. In nature. He anticipates what he will do. He is looking to the time after his resurrection when he would reveal himself in all his resurrected glory. And we get to see that same glory. Can you hear the one and only Son of God? Can you see that he died on the cross for your sins? Can you know that he was resurrected from the dead? Can you see that he even now sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty? He has revealed all this to us in his word. You can be assured now, but it's also an assurance that comes later. While we see it now, we also see it in its fullness when he comes again. It is this wonderful tension between what is and what will be that gives us assurance. So take heart, brothers and sisters in Christ. You may be here this morning and struggling, or there may be times of struggle that are coming that you don't even know about. 
Maybe this morning you feel distant from God. Come again to the desire that Christ has for you. His desire, his will, is that you would be where he is. And he has secured it for you by his own shed blood on the cross. The Savior brings you assurance, but second, the Savior shows you his love. We see in this one verse, Christ's love for his people. It's a, it's a love that I believe is summed up also in Hebrews 12 too, where it says, look to Jesus, the founder. He is the founder and perfecter of your faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despised the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus does not simply express his will that we would enter into heaven, but he expresses his desire that we would be with, as he says, me, with him. And we all have this natural longing to be with our own people. A people who we have commonplace with. This starts from a very young age. Oftentimes, if, if I, I bet if we were to talk about high, any of your all's high school experience, each of us probably, particularly when I was in high school, and I'm sure this is similar for you, there were areas of the school that different groups hung out in. Like any time there was like free time, right? So there was like, the Votech yard, courtyard, and that's where the Votech students and the band students hung out. There was, in our area, we had this courtyard that had like these two big oak trees, and that's kind of where the popular kids hung out, right? That's where they all hung out. Then you had the under the stair crowd, and those were kind of your we're wearing black and black eyeliner and gothic types. And you knew the types. There was these groups, and everybody drifted to their group. We do this something similar today. If you're part of a club or an organization or, you know, college football is a good example of that. You have your people. We were at, this last week in Thanksgiving, we were up in Chattanooga and my mom, she didn't get to go. She had planned for taking the, all the kids out, the grandkids out to a big play to play some games. And I'm sitting there and I'm playing games with Josiah. And this lady walks up and she's, I've got my Saints hoodie on and she's got her Saints shirt on. And she looks at me and she's like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's our people. Right? We find commonality in our love for the saints and their organization. But we do that, don't we? We have this place. We want to find a place where we belong. And Jesus' desire is to have his people with him. Matthew Henry says it this way. Christ speaks here as if he did not count his own happiness complete unless he had his elect to share with him in it. The triumph of the day that Christ is talking about, that day when he comes to judge the living and the dead, will be the cause of great celebration like no other. Because that means his people will be there with him where he is going. This is the love that Christ has for he is anticipating the resurrection life that he has gained for us. He shows us his longing for heaven, his longing to be with us, a longing to be with him in heaven. 
to be with Christ. In fact, it's the definition of heaven. Samuel Rutherford says it this way, Oh, my Lord Jesus Christ, if I could be in heaven without thee, it would be a hell. And if I could be in hell and have thee still, it would be a heaven to me. For thou art all that heaven, you art all the heaven I want. His point is this, if to be in heaven, to be in this place that we consider to be, oh, it's the place of where everything's good. And he says, and if you're not there, that's hell. But if I'm going to be in hell, this place that we think of fire, and you're there, that's heaven. The point being that wherever Christ is, that's what heaven is. It's no small thing then to know the love your Savior has for you, the love that he has for you even now in heaven. And it can be a hard thing for us because there's times where we simply feel unlovable. Coupled with this, also, if we treated earthly relationships like we often treat our heavenly ones, I think we'd find ourselves quickly not in those relationships. If we neglect to have time with the ones we love, if we neglect to talk to the ones we love, if we lived as if they were not part of our lives. But Christ, he gives his love to us and as, as an assurance. He gives us his love in spite of our sinfulness and neglect. He gives us his love, which is the same love that he and the Father have with one another. The love they shared before the foundation of the world, and this is no small thing. It is an eternal love. It is a love that not is, is, is not dependent on our own love. And so I say to you again, brothers and sisters in Christ, hear these words if you're struggling this morning. And again, this is certainly a season in which we're prone to struggling. We feel lost. We can feel isolated. We can feel alone. We can be down and discouraged about our circumstances. But come this morning and know that Christ loves you. And it is love for you that drew him to the cross to die for you. It is his love for you that brought him to the right hand of God the Father in heaven. It is his love for you that drives his desire for his will for you to be with him there, with God the Father, to have fellowship. Come and see and know the love that Christ has for you. But this leads us to our third and final point, the Savior's glory. I began this morning talking about earthly glory, this desire that we have that is created in us for glory. And Jesus here sets forth the crowning gift that he has prepared for his people. This is what he says at the end, towards the end of verse 24. He says, I desire that they may be there. I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation Christ has prepared for his people a gift of infinite worth. And that is to see the glory that God has given to Christ. It is a glory he shares with us, as Paul says in Roman 8. If you're children, then you're heirs and heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order, listen, in order that we may also be glorified with him. In eternity, we will see, yes, the manhood of Christ glorified. We will behold 
the glory of Christ in heaven. We will marvel with great joy that this one, this Lord, this glorious Lord is our Savior and friend. One commentator says it this way, when we are raised to sit with him upon his throne, we shall behold his glorified humanity. Behold him not as his disciples beheld him, the man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, but in that glorified human form in which he shall always be present to the sight and to embrace and to the embrace of the saints above. So in part, we'll see the glory of his glorified humanity, but we also will see the glory of the deity which shines on us. There's certain key points in Jesus's ministry where his divine glory is revealed. Probably the two prominent ones, one prior to his, his crucifixion, is the Mount of Transfiguration. Again, we looked at this in part, but we see in Matthew 17, 2, and he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. But only Peter, James, John, as we saw, see it then. It is later after his resurrection, the post-resurrection appearances, that Jesus revealed his divine glory to all his disciples. He appeared first to a few and then to many in the room and to multitudes. The worship of Jesus is the radiance of his glory, the consummation of our faith. It provides for us the ultimate satisfaction of our soul. What we do here in worship then is a foretaste of that divine worship in heaven. You can imagine that moment. No matter how many Christmas lights you hang, no matter how much voltage and wattage you do, you pump into it. None of that brightness will compare to the brightness that is Christ. And he, as, he, as it says on the Mount of Transfiguration, he became white as light. We also see his, the glory of Christ in his role as our mediator. Paul in Ephesians 1.20, speaking of Jesus, he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is the body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The glory of Christ upon his return to heaven is the result of his saving work here on earth. Our salvation is rooted in the love that the Father has for the Son that they shared before the foundation of the world. It is the love that Christ should be glorified as the head of the redeemed people forever so that we can declare with John and, and Revelations 5, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. This is the glory that our Lord deserves. Christ as our mediator, Christ the slain lamb of God who purchased our redemption, who gained the worship of our hearts. Even now, his heart is open to us. He shows his great longing for us so that we know, we can know even now that we belong to Jesus. Christ has declared our inheritance with him. 
that we know this light momentary affliction is but preparing us for the eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And this, brothers and sisters in Christ, should be a great hope and encouragement and comfort to us. That in this life we may suffer, we may struggle, but that suffering will be but for a moment. So we can face death with joy of the certain glory of Christ. If we understand that Christ is the Son of God, if we believe that he came to earth in human form, if we believe that he died for our sins and was raised from the grave, do you believe this? you do not, ask Jesus to reveal his glory to you in the pages of Scripture. That he would open your hearts to believe the truth regarding God's Son and our Savior. Cry out to him. If you do know this this morning, then believe on him for your soul's salvation. Know that Christ has willed you to be with him. Live in the knowledge of that glory. Know that you are a victor now with the privilege of offering your life as a sacrifice of praise. The glory of the Lord has been revealed to us twofold. It has been revealed to us here and now. It has been revealed to us in the pages of his word. It has been revealed to our hearts by the illuminating work of the Holy Spirit. It has been revealed as we come before him in study and prayer. It is that glory that will continually be revealed to us until we come before him in glory on the last day when we will see his glory face to face when we will see the only living son of God the glory of the father from before all creation we must come and know this glory it is this glory that sought us it is this glory that bought us it is this glory that laid his life down for us it is this glory even now a place for us. Would you embrace this glory? Would you be a reflection of this glory? Would you find hope and security in what this glory brings? Would we come and worship the one and true living God? Brothers and sisters in Christ, Christ's Jesus' desire for you is that you find assurance in him. That you would come to him, that you would see him, that you would see he has come from the Father, that he has secured for you salvation. His will and desire for you is that you would know the display that, of love that he has made for you. A love that brought him in the flesh, a love that brought him to the cross, a love that he shared with the Father from all eternity he would know his glory, the glory of the one and only true living God, the glory that surpasses all understanding. Let us find our hope, our joy, our peace, our love in him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come and we rejoice in Jesus Christ. We come and rejoice in the Lord of our salvation. We rejoice in his will that he desires for us to be with him. Oh, Lord, would we give him the glory that is due his name each and every day. We do ask and pray in Jesus' name.